Welcome to the Millennium Beat Podcast, where we like to encourage the world one story at a time. Now get ready to hear stories from around the world that encourage and uplift you. Now to the show with your host, Kevin James. Hey everybody, you have joined the Millennium Beat. I'm your host, Kevin James. Thanks for being here. If you haven't hit the like button and hit the bell to subscribe to our YouTube channel, please do that. If you have any comments or questions, please leave them in the description below. I like to introduce a good friend of mine, Pastor Paul Kendall, which has moved up north a little bit, not too far north, but he's moved up north. And he will be talking about his life and some of the things that are going on. So I like to thank my guest, Paul. Thanks for being here with us. Thank you for having me. It's good to be with you again. All right, Paul, you've been on before, but never on the video. Um, Let's talk a little bit about your life, where you came from, and the story from where you're going and where you are right now, actually. So let's talk about that. All right. Well, I was born in Indianapolis, Indiana, and uh, lived there until I was about 10. Uh, That was where my family really got embedded in church, too. Uh, Not just going to church, but being involved in church. My dad was the music director. My mom was a Sunday school teacher. And uh, over the years, as a result of that, uh, all three of my siblings, that would be all four of us, uh, eventually became ministers, pastors. So we had a good start in church. And so family and church means a lot to me. We eventually moved to Florida. Vero Beach, and I grew up there and um, met my wife, Evie, there. She was going to Southeastern. It was Bible College back then at Southeastern University now, and she would come to Vero with a friend of hers on short breaks, and that's where we met and married at Central Assembly, which um, Kevin and I are very familiar with, uh, and Vero Beach, Pastor Buddy Tipton married us. Well, actually, my brother, Roy, it took about four pastors to get us married, (laughs) come to think of it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's what That's happens funny. when you have so many pastors in the family. Right. Pastor Buddy did the ceremony, and then Roy actually pronounced as a, a husband and wife. We were his first wedding. Okay. Uh, but then um, we moved down to the Port St. Lucie area, and I got involved in a church that was pastored by my oldest brother, Rick. <laughs> and Keeping we the were family. in that area. Yeah, yeah. We were in that area for a long time. We had both of our kids there, first Renee. And then about four years later, Alex and raised our kids there. And I uh, was a minister of music for about 20 years. And uh, that, that actually started back at Central Assembly in the youth band. I got oh, to play wow. the keyboard, and then I became a keyboard player for the church. And uh, in, um, once we were married, uh, that became a profession for me. And so I was a minister of music for about 20 years. And... Um, Uh, That encompasses several different churches that I was on staff at, Palm Beach Cathedral, Calvary Assembly in Lakeland, that's now High Point, a community church, um, Resurrection Life in Fort Pierce. Wow. Um, And then uh, in time, we planted a church called Zion Tabernacle in Fort Pierce, and uh, we had that church for three and a half years. And about that time, my daughter went to Southeastern University. Um, just like her mama. And uh, we started going over there for visits. One thing led to another, and uh, we met a vice president there, uh, Dr. Mike Rakes, who um, had some um, media needs. And one of the things about being a minister of music is it don't always pay so good. <laughs> so you, <laughs> you have to 
uh, supplement your income. And I had gotten very involved in internet broadcasting. Okay. And the university had some broadcasting, internet broadcasting needs. And uh, so I volunteered to handle some of them. That led to me being um, um, hired as a consultant, which led to a job offer. Mm. And uh, so we moved to Lakeland and uh, went to work at Southeastern University. Evie ended up working there as well. People accused us of following our children to school, which was <laughs> Somewhat true, somewhat not true. But anyway, uh, we were at Southeastern University for four years, involved in a church in Lakeland there for a couple of years called Harvest Assembly. Good friends of ours, Pastor Keith and Joy Conley. And, um, and then that same uh, vice president that had hired me at Southeastern had taken a church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And um, about four years after he left, we had stayed in touch. Their church needed uh, family pastors, and he thought of Evie and I, so he extended that opportunity to us, and that's what got us to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and we served on staff at um, First Assembly here uh, for five years, and then launched out and started Christ Family Church and pastored that for five years, and um, then some dear friends of ours that pastored a church in Louisville, which is just like a... Uh, it's almost Winston-Salem, but it's out, actually a city of its own just outside of Winston-Salem. Um, that uh, friend of ours was pastoring, and he retired. Okay. And our churches were very similar, and the idea was to merge them uh, together because they were so similar. And we just did that, and I think I just covered about 50 years of history. <laughs> and, and, and about six minutes. But you left out one of the best things is that you worked at TBN with me. Yes, yes, yes. I worked at TBN for seven years. Yeah, I, I worked um, there for almost 12 or 15 years. I'm like, I've lost track now. It's been so long. Did you really? Yeah. I remember you got a job. You were in traffic, and then you left, and then I got the job in traffic. You know, dealing with all the tapes yeah, and all that stuff. back I was, when we had uh, tapes. Master, master yeah, control. Master control operator and checking all those videotapes in and out every month. Yeah. Right. Um, let me ask you this question. When you were at TBN, what, what other things did you do? I know you said master control and, and then traffic. What else did you do there? I ran a camera whenever they needed somebody to run a camera. I okay. remember one time... Uh, we uh, we actually took the calls for the telethon. That was interesting. Oh, yeah, I, I remember, remember that. that happening one time. But uh, the main thing I did was uh, master control, and I did that um, the first four years on the midnight shift. And, you know, that's uh -huh. kind of interesting that you bring that back up because that's where – that's when and where I learned my um, internet media skills that mm. actually led to – my position at Southeastern University years later, it's interesting. Huh. During times like that, I can remember walking out in that parking lot. See, the deal was uh, as a midnight Right. Uh, oh, I was there. Operator. I did midnight, probably after you or before. They encouraged you to do something else because right. you really only worked five minutes every hour. You had 55 right. minutes to do nothing. So I started learning how to do websites, and uh, I learned how to encode video and broadcast it. This was even before YouTube became popular. Oh, yeah. But uh, I used to go out in the parking lot. You, you know what it's like down there at nighttime. Yep. It was in an industrial park, nobody around for miles. 
I used to go out in the parking lot and walk in circles, looking up at the sky, saying, God, why are you punishing me like this? <laughs> why are you making me work in the middle of the night? Yeah, and okay. um, looking back now, the, it, it, it's, it can, I can see it was very strategic. The, right. the pressure and frustration of that forced me to learn something new. And that uh, new knowledge, that new skill took me out of the circumstances that I was so frustrated with. It really is interesting how when you're going through something that is difficult for you. Now, I loved TB and I loved the people. Bob and Brenda Constantino were awesome. That was not the painful part. The painful part was going in to work every night at midnight (laughs) or four to midnight. I can relate because eventually I did that Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. Then I dropped Thursday night because I was so busy yeah. doing weddings and stuff like that. But I, I, <laughs> I would not pick that shift again. I, and then where the TV oh, no. station I work for now, I basically pretty much try to avoid that shift. Yeah. Well, the bottom line was I did that midnight shift. See, that was my full time job. And then I had two part-time daytime jobs so i was sleep deprived for those four years on the midnight shift so but but my point is is going back to that moment i thought this is this is as bad as can possibly be i don't understand why god is doing this to me you know uh where they say uh what is it hindsight's 2020 2020 yeah looking back it's easier to put it in perspective now because i i can see clearly what god was doing with me during that time Mm -hmm. Uh, using the circumstances and the pressure of frustration to force me to learn something new, which really turned my life around. So I would encourage anybody that's listening to this, if you're going through a tough time that you just don't understand, have faith in God. (laughs) Uh, Don't walk around in circles looking up at the sky saying, why are you punishing me like this? Know that God is preparing you for something. And um, it, it really does make a whole lot more sense now. Also, the things that I learned during that difficult season, all of those things have come back to be tremendous assets to me now mm-hmm. in pastoring and in managing a church. Um, the audio, the video, the production, our broadcasting every week, I have a really good knowledge of all of that, mm-hmm. which made it um, easy for us to do. Right. So I'm just uh, amazed at the way God works in my life and... Um, all things really do work together for good to those who are called according to God's purpose. thing I'm thinking about is it's kind of like our life's like a map, and we're on a little dot on that map, and God is looking at it from the, above us, and we can't see, like, the next step. So, and, But God says, I know where I'm bringing you to, and the things that you're in now is part of the plan that, to get you where you're going. You know, it's just, yes. yeah, it's, it's just that way how he does things. Yeah, it's just really hard to uh, see that when you're in the middle of the frustrating time. <laughs> right, definitely. thing I'm thinking about is it's kind of like being in a forest. You can't see, you could be uh, you know, 50 feet from the end of the forest, but you, it's dark, it's nighttime, you can't see it. And you feel like you're in there forever, and it's not. You only have to walk a few 50 feet, and then eventually you'll be out of the forest. And that's like life. We... Think we're at something like oh, like COVID nineteen. It's like it seems like we've been here forever, and it depends yeah. on what state you are. You might be still dealing a lot with it, but yeah, we are. But God, we're going to come out of it. Uh, it's like a tunnel. We're going to get to the other end, and things are going to get better, and and we're going to move on because God has a plan for us. It's not 
now. It's not over. It's not like no, we're all done. Oh, COVID-19 happened. I'm not. All my plans, forget it. Throw them out the window. No. God knew right. things were going to happen, and he knows what's going to happen next. So let's yeah. ask that question. Um, you talked a lot about your past, which was good. Um, what is God doing right now? Let's divide it into two things. Um, the church, which you just started. And then we'll talk a little bit about other adventures like, you know, um, the Kindle Family Network and stuff like that. Other things you're doing, publishing and stuff like that. So let's go to there okay. and we'll talk about those things. Okay. Well, um, like I said, we pastored Christ Family Church here in Winston-Salem for five years. And then actually three years into that, a uh, good friend of mine, pastor friend, Pastor Rodney Ashby, took me to lunch and talked to me about the possibility of the two churches merging. He had taken Generations Church really as a temporary interim type of pastor. Well, that interim pastoring lasted seven years for him. <laughs> oh, wow. But um, five years into it, three years into our church, uh, Christ Family Church, he takes me to lunch, talks to me about merging, says he's looking you know, forward to retiring. And I really prayed about it. I prayed about it every day for two months, and I just could not get a yes answer. So it didn't happen. And then uh, it's a long story, but two years later, we were in the process of looking for property. Okay. And I uh, found out that uh, Pastor Rodney had had a stroke. So mm-hmm. I went to see him and pray for him. And I was telling him about our search, and he brought up the idea of the merge again. It took about two and a half, three months of doing due diligence and meetings uh, for us to come to the decision. But we finally merged the two churches. We actually called it a marriage <laughs> because it was a lot like a marriage. The two were becoming one. Right. And um, so they had a wonderful property, about seven acres and mm. beautiful facilities, good um, sanctuary, family life center, all the things that uh, church would need. And, um, so we, we married the two churches together and decided we needed a new name uh, mm-hmm. for this new church. And uh, we actually put it out to the membership of the church. And uh, that, that was a little scary for me because I thought right. we were going to end up with a name I didn't like. <laughs> but <laughs> it actually was, it ended up being the name that I had hoped for. And the name was United, United Family Church. And um, so we have uh, been united now since um, July, and it has been an absolutely wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, You know, from being in church ministry most of my adult life, I've been involved in uh, two church mergers and heard about quite a few others. And unfortunately, the majority of them are, are bad stories. Right. And um, so I anticipated, you know, a lot of uh, possible problems and trouble along the way. We haven't had any of that, none of it. It really has been incredible. And um, we knew a lot of these people uh, from uh, churches we were in together before, and uh, it has just really turned into one great, big, wonderful family. And uh, we have you know, COVID has, has been a real setback uh, for us, only in the sense that we have about a third of our church that still has not come out, you know, to mm. actual services in person. Right. They they view online. So I've got, I got a good number of people that I pastor that I've never even met yet. 
Hmm. Um, so in that sense, it's been a little bit of a frustration. But even through COVID, the church, uh, somehow we have been able to thrive and um, have done well all the way around financially, uh, ministry-wise. And um, God has really blessed it. And it's just uh, turned out to be a wonderful thing. Cool. Question that comes to my mind is, what is the vision of the church and where is the church going? In what direction is it was heading? What, what direction? Well, the mission, vision, uh, I guess you'd call it of our church, is that we are a loving, family-oriented church, learning the Word of God and leading people to Christ through acts of service. So our three words are love, learn, and lead. So we do a lot of uh, expository teaching. Um, we are a Bible-based church, so every message on every Sunday is coming straight from the Word one way or another. And we do topical messages too, but uh, it's, it's definitely Word-based. And then we really cater to every age, every, every age of the family, every season of life. Um, I know some churches these days are targeting certain age groups and certain right. markets. Uh, we just don't do that. We have, um, you know, like we keep the kids in with us until after the offering because we want them to learn how to worship and give. And we even, you know, have them in there for communion and things like that. And um, then we dismiss the kids. Well, we have a mass exodus of about 30%, you know, of our <laughs> sanctuary leaves and goes out to children's church and youth but it's a wonderful thing to see so we we pay a lot of attention to every age group from infants that have just been born into this world to our seniors and um even as is it sounds kind of morbid but it's part of life um the the death of god's saints when we lose people uh not only um you know, uh, dealing with those issues in the very end of their life, but also the love and care of their widows, spouses, you know, family members that have lost a loved one. So it is, um, it is a really um, well-rounded family ministry and church. And um, but we're not only taking care of each other; we are doing the work of Jesus, which is to seek and save the lost. So we do everything we can to reach out to our community and um, care for people, love on people. We just think that the best way to lead someone to Christ is to do something for them, see a need and meet it, um, you know, take care of somebody. And then there is this affinity that they have for, uh, for you because you have, you've cared, you, you, you've done something for me. You saw my, you know, you heard that I had had surgery and my lawn, my grass was tall and you came down and offered to mow it for me. Now I'm, I have, I have warm fuzzies for you. There's not like <laughs> this affinity and it puts you in a lot better position to invite them to church or share Christ with them. Right. And, uh, that's what we mean by leading people to Christ through acts of service. Yeah. We actually minister to their needs and that in turn draws them into the kingdom. Awesome. While I'm thinking of this and closing up on our last topic is um, before we get to our last topic, I should say, let's talk about some of the other things that you do. I mean, you're not just a pastor. You do other things. Let's let's bring them up and talk about those things. All right. Well, I, um, I host a 
television program once a month on um, Global Television Network. I did it on CTN, a network called CTN that's much like TBN uh, for for about, I guess I've been here 10 years. I did that for about eight years, and this last has been for the past two years on a global television network. And um, it's funny, it's a, it's a program called The Pastor's Study where people call in and ask the pastors. It's not just me. It's several pastors. I host it often. But um, they'll ask them questions. And I never wanted to do it before because I was always intimidated. I thought they were going to ask me, you know, you might not know. (laughs) Yeah. Ezekiel's wheel inside the wheel or so. What does that mean? (laughs) I wouldn't know. So I finally faced my fears and did it and actually loved it. And nobody's ever asked me that question, by the way. Uh, And please don't now because I don't know the answer. (laughs) But um, I have to study that soon. But um so I do that, and I've authored several books. I never set out to be an author. My first one came from uh, my radio program, Family Matters, and um, a publisher was going uh, driving through West Palm Beach, heard the program, called and asked me if I um, had the manuscripts. I said yes. He said, would you like to publish it? And one thing led to another, and that became uh, the first book called Family Matters, and then a marriage program that... Um, my wife and I have done for years called The Marriage Miracle. Uh, there was uh, it spawned off a book of its own called uh, The Marriage Miracle. That um, that was the next book. And then I've done a couple of other booklets, I guess you'd call them, shorter, shorter little pamphlets on different subjects like uh, communication and dealing with anger. So I've authored about five books. And then, um, like I mentioned, the radio program. Uh, that has been something that has just taken an interesting life of its own. I started it about 17 years ago when we had our church, Zion wow. Tabernacle. And I really did it to get people to come to our church, which <laughs> never really happened. <laughs> Every now and then somebody would come because they said they heard it, but it did not grow our church like I thought it would. But it um, it took on a life of its own, and I shortened it down to a three-minute program which is the length of a song. And I loaded them all onto a website, kindlefamilynetwork.com, and and made it a free license. In other words, any radio station anywhere in the world can download them and play them. And it just took off and spread all over the country. I don't even know where all it plays, but I do know it plays in a lot of different areas because I'll get emails or contacts from different places. Um, A friend of mine not too long ago uh, said that she was talking to her mother in Pennsylvania and mentioned my name, and her mom said, oh, I listen to him every morning. (laughs) She said, you do? And she said, yeah, and I didn't even know that it aired in Pennsylvania. So the radio program is another one of those things that I had no idea how God was going to use that. As a matter of fact, actually, I did have an idea. My idea of how he's going to use it was totally wrong. <laughs> he used it in a completely different way than I ever dreamed or imagined. Um, one last thing that I've started that I am excited about. I've had to slow down because of this church merger, but I do intend to pick it right back up soon. Um, and that is um, a website called howtopastor.com, howtopastor.com. And um, 
if you log on there, you'll see that I do these short videos and they're intended primarily for either uh, somebody that has just become a pastor, just starting, or a pastor that is just starting a brand new church from scratch. Okay. And I do um, uh, videos on there about things like how to do a wedding, how to prepare a message, um, some tips on how to deliver a message. And my hope for that is that I can take some of the experiences that I have had, some of them even just within recent years, and relay those to other new pastors that are just learning their way. Right. And they're all things that um, I never learned in Bible college or mm. in any of my formal education. They're just things that I learned in the real world of pastoring. One of the things I'm thinking, oh, yeah. In the description below will be all the links that he's talked about so you can get a hold of him. So let's go into the last question. We'll talk for a few minutes. You know, we got a little bit of time left, not a lot, but we got a few. Um, let's talk about hope. Um, as we all know, there's crazy things going on in the world right now. As of this time, this is um, November 2nd. Tomorrow is election day. So uh, we have that. That's we have right. COVID-19 going on and um, stuff like that. So let's talk a little bit about hope. Let's give some of the audience members hope uh, that there's something better going to be in store for them. So what would you have to say to them um, for hope? Well, I guess you'd have to start with uh, the lack of hope. Okay. Uh, that, you know, having hope is not the problem. It's, it's hopelessness. Okay. <laughs> not having hope uh, that I would say is the real problem. One of the things interesting, you know, you mentioned COVID-19. I do uh a lot of counseling. I counsel two days a week. And um, people are not coming in saying that COVID is, you know, the or, or the stressors of COVID are doing this to me. Um, they're not specifically saying that. But, you know, when you do something on a regular basis, you see trends. And I see, first of all, an increase in counseling sessions, an increase in frustration, and, and there is a, a, a hopelessness that is developing in people because of our current situation. And I would encourage anyone that's hopeless because of the uh, stressors of the COVID crisis or the political crisis that we've been in or the racial injustice and police brutality crisis. It's like crisis stacked on top of crisis stacked on top of crisis is to, first of all, maybe read the book of Jude and uh, see the, the even back then the pattern of crisis leading to judgment of evildoers and deliverance by God. There's always deliverance by God. And even though it may seem like um, the, the, the situation that is causing you to be hopeless is going to be never-ending, uh, it's just not true. God always delivers us. We don't know how he rarely does it on our timeline. Right. But one of my favorite sayings is that um, you can't judge tomorrow by the way things look today. And to think that um, tomorrow is going to be bad and my future is going to be bad because right now uh, I feel so hopeless and things are not good is it's not good wisdom. Life comes in seasons. Um, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end to every season. You move on to the next season. A story um, that comes to my mind is a guy that I counseled years ago. 
who had been diagnosed with uh, MS. When his uh, wife uh, found out his diagnosis, she left him, oh, of wow. all things. He would sit in my office on my couch there, and he, he came in on a walker, shaking, barely able to walk, sit on that couch and cry like a baby. He was in his um, early 30s, and to him, all hope was lost. He lost his health. He lost his wife. They didn't have kids, but everything that he dreamed of in his future was gone. And um, his name is Eric. He wouldn't even mind me sharing this if, if those of you that would ever see this that know who I'm talking about, Eric. Um, I remember looking at him and, and telling him just what I've just said. That life comes and goes in seasons. There's always deliverance that the day will come. It will come, Eric, that you have a giant smile from ear to ear and you'll be remarried. You'll be fulfilled. You'll be happy. You'll be healthy. And he looked at me, you know, like I was telling him a fairy tale. Right. Uh, but we prayed, and, 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 and he did hold on to hope. Well, he gets accepted into a, an experimental MS program, treatment program. Last year, Eric ran a triathlon. Wow. Eric is now married to Joy, beautiful young woman. They are madly in love, and he does smile from ear to ear. And I'm telling you, uh, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter how hopeless they seem, and no matter how bad, how bad things look, don't ever let go of hope. Uh, God always, always brings deliverance. His word never fails. It never returns void. And all things really do work together for good for those who are called according to God's purposes. In other words, live their life God's way. Right. So I would say, hold on to hope, this whole COVID thing. You know, I've told people, try and find the, the good in it. Mm -hmm. uh, I've told them this, look, look, make a little study of the businesses uh, the big ones, the na nationwide ones, and the local mom and pop ones. Look at the ones that have, have failed and closed up shop, the ones that are barely struggling by. But, but make, make special note of those businesses that have thrived in the midst of crisis. Right. And it's those businesses and those people that have been creative, haven't allowed the heaviness of, mm. and the weight of the crisis to weigh them down. They've gotten creative. They've figured out new ways to get people to eat their food <laughs> right. and uh, buy their products and deliver their products. And they're actually thriving in the midst of crisis. Even our church, as I mentioned, is somehow mm -hmm. thriving in the midst of crisis. We are not suffering in any way. I know other churches are down 30% in tithes and offerings and things. We just don't have that. And it really is a mindset. It is your perspective. Right. And if you have a gloom and doom perspective, mm -hmm. uh, the crisis and the hopelessness is going to eat your lunch and do you in. Right. But if you have a God consciousness, a God awareness, a God perspective, um, you really can rise above crisis and trouble, hold on to hope and see God's deliverance. And even... Um, um, you know, thriving in the midst of what other people 
um, would call a, a uncontrollable crisis. Thinking on that, on that topic that you just talked about, I want you to just pray for the audience who is listening or watching on YouTube. Pray for them, and then we'll go from there. We'll we'll close the show. All right. Well, Father, I lift up the viewers of uh, this program, and you know every intricate detail of every person. You know the plans that you have for each one. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says you have plans that are so good it, w- it would blow them away if they could see the fullness of it. And just like I've kind of rehashed through the details of my life, the good times and the bad, and my feelings of hopelessness and helplessness and depression in the, in, in the bad times, only to see your deliverance, I pray that those that have heard that would take courage and be encouraged by those stories, uh, because uh, that's the way you work, especially you, your children. You don't leave us in the midst of crisis. You don't leave us in the midst of depression and hopelessness. You deliver us. And uh, you have a plan for every one of us, and I pray for every person that's viewing this video, this program, that uh, they would be encouraged, that they would rise above their trouble, that they would rise above this current um, three-layered crisis that our country is in, and that they would have a positive uh, perspective, a God perspective, and rise above it all. And, and accomplish everything that you have called them to do. I pray that you would give them great hope, great encouragement. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Guys, you've been watching The Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. I'd like to thank my guest, Paul. Paul, thanks for being on today on The Millennium Beat. Thank you very much for having me. God bless you, Kevin. Take care. All right, everybody else, we'll um, we'll see you guys next week on YouTube and our other podcast platforms. For thanks for being here, and uh, everybody have a great week. Thanks for tuning in today to the Millennium Beat Podcast. I hope you heard something that was encouraging to you. We'd like to hear from you with your story, so write us at stories at themillenniumbeat.com or give us a call at 407-624-9957 and leave us a voicemail. You may also find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we have a YouTube channel. Please like us and share us with your friends. You may also go to our website at themillenniumbeat.com and you'll find our podcast and our YouTube video. You also may find a calendar there with past and future guests and dates and times. Plus, another way for you to contact us with your stories or questions. This has been a Millennium Beat LLC production, copyright 2020. Views and opinions of the guests are not always the views and opinions of the Millennium Beat LLC.